guys doing? Welcome back to the WYL Take Ownership Podcast, where we're all about taking ownership of your mental, your economics, and your community. I'm joined here today by David Kalinowski. Hello. And Andre Izugu. Yes, sir. Welcome. Welcome to the show, y'all. How you guys feeling? Feeling good. I'm feeling all right, man. You powering yeah. through, man. He got a cold. We staying away from him, but he powering through. Yeah. It's a... Uh... It's the winter's here. Yeah, we promise he's not yeah, high. Although that we wouldn't have a problem. Yeah, with pardon that. my <laughs> bloodshot eyes, folks. It's truly just remnants. Yeah, of cold. Awesome, y'all. Well, welcome. Um, you know, I, I I wanted to we, we start the show today on more of a heavier subject. Um, you know, having just witnessed the passing of a lot of uh, heroes in our eyes, Kobe Bryant, uh, forty-one years old. Um, 10 a.m. West Coast time, you know. Uh, so, uh, you guys know what happened, obviously. Uh, what, I, what I think would be an appropriate way to start it is by, you know, just hearing you guys talk a little bit about what Kobe meant to you. Um, and also, like, what does is, what is his passing mean to you, you know, um, kind of, you know, here a couple of days later? I think with Kobe Bryant dying, it you don't get a chance to really process the impact of people until they have departed, until they have died. And um, for me, it was surreal in a, in a sense because uh, he seemed like titanium and you recall these moments of your childhood that he helped shape and helped frame and the work ethic and just the whole cultural zeitgeist of Kobe, like the uh, Mamba mentality or Black Mamba, or even the trash can reference, you know, after Dave Chappelle made oh. that famous. <laughs> Kobe. Um, all this you process while also understanding the realness and finality of death. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's really shaking for me. Um, I didn't post anything on social media personally. Um, it's just taken me a while to really kind of grieve a public figure, mm -hmm. um, which they call uh, a parasocial grief when it's mm -hmm. like a celebrity death. Um, and that doesn't make it any less hurtful. So that's my feelings on Kobe Bryant's death. Yeah. And, and a quick note, yeah, uh, you know, obviously giving real resonance and, um, and, and, and sadness and blessings to the other families uh, that were affected because, you know, it wasn't just Kobe, it wasn't just Gianna or Gigi. Um, it was the Outer Bellies, and I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right, and, you know, the pilot, and, and uh, you know, it's just a super sad. But, um, Dre, for you. Uh, Listen, man, I'll be honest with you. Um, I was not super excited to talk about Kobe on the podcast, uh, particularly because there's just so much that I feel in regards to this that's so personal. I don't even know if I'm ready to articulate it properly in words. You know what I mean? Um, you know, when I think back to 1996, I was eight years old, and I started playing basketball. It was that class that really helped me understand, oh, I could I could probably do that. You know, him, Allen Iverson, or Carmelo Anthony. I don't mean actually do it like that, but I mean I wanted to be that. Let and me not interrupt you. Yeah, yeah like fault, aspire bro. to be that. That's a better yeah. way to put put it at. Nah, I feel you. Bro. Not I'm like not I can eat them niggas. No. <laughs> anyway, you were by those I was cats. inspired I by them, fair, and fair, but fair. you know, and it was them in the rivalry, and I was a whole AI guy, and it was you know, forget LA, you know, and but I loved Kobe. I love what he did. He always make. He always stepped up to the challenge, and he took out our nets. He took out our sixes. He just was eating anybody, yeah. eating their lunch. Him and Shaq. So. I literally watched that happen my entire life and watched him be such a great person and just a great athlete and create this mama mentality that actually had nothing to just do with basketball, everything to do with how you approach life. Right. And to watch that be something that is taken away from a guy who had four daughters and just taken away from this planet just like that in the blink of an eye. I'm not. I, I can't. I can't. I have nothing really to say on that, but... Yo, hug your loved ones. Don't take anything for granted. And don't waste your time on stuff that don't matter. Yeah, like, yeah. life's too short for it. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Nope. Um, so, from my, from my vantage point, you know, I, I, I post something about this on Twitter about 
feeling like in these moments, this is as a young black man wanting to get through a spring without one of our icons dying. And I feel like la last year we had to deal with Nipsey. This year we're dealing with Kobe. And, you know, I saw somebody post earlier about, like, the, the meaning behind the both of them, right? Nipsey was entrepreneurship and ownership and community. Kobe is family, hard work, dedication, Mamba mentality, as we've all said now. And um, honestly, these are better words I could put to it right now, a couple of days out, because the day of, I was broken. Like, day of, you know, from first to shock, you're sharing news, misinformation at times, even, like, I acknowledge on one of our episodes, like, you, you know, you're just hearing stuff on Twitter, and you're like, yo, this is what's happening, right? And so you're you're almost, like, shocked for information that's not even yeah, real. Yeah, you sending me yeah, misinformation. Yeah, Rick Fox. I was like, what first, is first this? It was, I'll be real. Life. Rick Fox being part of it, sorry, right? Like, his his family, people talk about his him and his daughters died. It's like, right. that's not what happened, right? All of Kobe's daughters. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah that's what it was. The see reporter in. got, um, not fired, but Put he's on leave been on, or something. yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it... That touches somewhat on the um, hysteria around being first, being first, but also just the the tolls emotionally that it can put on people when you're reporting something and you don't have it all vetted out. Um, well, let me let me uh, just for a moment finish on the um, uh, just the the feelings I got initially for it. I know I kind of threw that piece in there, but you know with uh. With Kobe, what's been so interesting is that, you know, first when I got the text, so I, it's crazy. My, my sister actually called me right when it happened. And I had just, I had guests over for the weekend. I'd been working all weekend. I'm like, you know what? Like, I saw, I didn't see the initial ring. I saw the last ring where her name pop up on the screen. And I looked at the, and I was like, let me call her right back, right? And within like two minutes, I got a text from her. And it was like, yo, Kobe just died in a helicopter crash. And, and it was crazy was that, as I looked at it ring that last time, I was like, but what if it's important? Like that crosses our mind, I think a lot when family calls, it's like, you know, you could be in your own zone or whatever, but you never know what's on the other side of that phone when you pick it up. And so what was crazy was then seeing that text message, I was like, damn, like exactly what I thought, you know, you, you in my faint back of my mind, I was like, this could be something real, like something serious. It exactly, it was exactly that. And uh, I didn't, I, I couldn't fathom it. It didn't seem real. You know, you're going on Google News, typing in his name, refreshing the page, right. refreshing the page. And what's coming up is LeBron just passed him for third all-time in the scoring. And then finally, that, that one last refresh, boom, TMZ, right? Then I'm seeing it all over Twitter, and, and it's like five people. Then five, for a whole day, it was five till it became nine and more real information came out. And um, it's, it's hard to process because... Um, you know, we talk a lot about for him, it was like the second act. We got to see him show the work ethic. AI shared a, a really deep story. I grew up, Allen Iverson fan, was, he was my guy as well. So Kobe was the arch nemesis. We're, we're, we're a generation that grew up playing 2K. Like I played, playing NBA Live. Like I played, a, he was my arch nemesis in the game because he would always go off. But it was like, can I control Kobe or contain him? Which you never could. But can I then beat the rest of the team? So like, I think for a lot of young men, particularly, or a lot of young sports fans, let me not even just minimize just the men, it was particularly difficult because, you know, he represented everything you wanted to be in the world, right? Hardworking, dedicated, um, the the like bulldog leader, but also a leader, like a team leader. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't selfishness. It was like he would shoot 50 shots, which he did his last game and drop 60, but still the team would win. <laughs> it was like what? You know, it's uh, it's it's pretty wild, man. But I know you were talking a little bit about. Um, just the hysteria around somebody at that massive being part of the casualties, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, speak to that a little more. It's just, it's, it disorients you from touching it, but it also, it just makes me wonder, like, where are we at with humanity sometimes? Um, and the internet is a powerful tool. Uh, at times, though, we don't understand the responsibility that we have with media um, in terms of messaging. <clears throat> um, and to add to the media, like someone immediately tweeted uh, the Colorado incident with Kobe, mm -hmm. like right upon his like death, like breaking that at the same time. And that was, it was perturbing. It's like, mm -hmm. well, wh what's the point of that? Um, but then someone else commented, a sports anal 
an analyst. Yeah, yeah. yeah. thank you. And uh, acknowledged how Kobe would talk about that. You know, he was he would unpack it. And I think for that, it also showed Kobe's like how human he was. Mm-hmm. You know, and that you see his greatest moments, but also some of his lowest points too. And no human, no matter how big they are as a celebrity figure, um, is without, you know, some some low points. Mm-hmm. Um, and just holding on to that and thinking about legacy and, like, in the larger picture, what he really meant. And I think we all celebrate the positive aspects of his life while also saying, yeah, he, he make mistake he made mistakes we all do yeah I, I think particularly why it's like it, it, it ends up being so troubling and it's like you wouldn't wish death on anybody else um, or some people do um, but what's troubling about it is that as as black people we feel like there's only a few of that represent us to the masses to the rest of the world even though we're, we're a large part of the world and so when we lose someone um, of the credential status and I don't mean that in terms of accomplishments, or the like from the accomplishments perspective purely i mean that from like this was a a brother who didn't go to college but was an intellectual that people respected him for his brain right like this is a dude who spoke three languages fluently was learning german right um i, I remember when i was a kid i was talking to this with you a little bit earlier you know the nights when i wasn't supposed to be up this late but i'd be up this late watching espn on sports center and they would always play the Lakers. You know, the games would finish really late in the night, like 1 a.m. The night. Sacramento. Yeah, exactly. I mean, those were days. Divac and and, and uh, Pedro Slyakovic and them boys. Um, but you stay out late. You'd watch uh, the, con- the the press conference at the end. And ESPN would do this thing where he'd be talking, he'd be talking. And then an ESPN Deportes writer would raise their hand and ask something in Spanish. And he would just effortlessly start speaking Spanish. And then at that point, they'd be like, back to Stuart Scott. Right? And you'd be like, yo, what? Was Kobe just speaking Spanish? And, like, that, like... I, I love that, you know, you know, I, I felt particularly weird watching the major networks cover it um, because they would do the thing where it's like they call his friend from ninth grade who played basketball with him for one semester and say, you know, tell us about Kobe. And I'm sitting there like, yo, what is this about? And um, I mean, I'm realizing in real time it's, it's about the audience and, and like the topical nature of who Kobe represents to the general masses. When you turn to ESPN, that shit got real, real fast. Like, Doc Rivers couldn't speak. I'm, I'm watching, you know, him try to speak in real time. His voice cracking. Cracking, wow. like, yeah. I mean, and he goes, and he, and he just reveals a real candid moment where he goes, I now have to leave here and go talk to my team about this. And um, pff, that shit killed me. Like, I was a wreck. Because I'm like, you know, it, it, watching this, and I, the, the day was so weird, like, I'd be okay for a little bit. I watched. I've I've never I've never felt so moved, so hurt by someone not in my family or a friend dying. Like I legit, there's like a yellow rag that I put on my stove, like just like to dry my hands, dry a pan or a pot. And I was like, I was making food, and I went back in the in the TV room, and I'm like, I don't even watch TV like that, but I'm watching. I'm just glued. And um, I can't remember what exactly it was. I remember looking at the screen and just like grabbing the yellow like rag and just screaming, just yelling, and I couldn't help it. There was like there was no other release that just had to come out, and it's funny like I you're think I'm like in my mind as I'm like bawling and bawling, I'm picturing myself outside of myself watching myself like, what are you doing? Like why are you so hurt? And it was it didn't matter. Like it, there was no this wasn't strategy. This wasn't thought out. This wasn't planned. It just was my natural, visceral response. And this was happening once every 45 minutes for the rest of Sunday. So I had my siblings reach out like, yo, how you doing? You okay? And I text them back like, uh, let's not talk today. I just don't have it in me. Like, I just don't, you know? So, I mean, I'm just going to jump yeah. in here real quick. Because, um, you know, when Gozi was calling you, um, I was actually with Iffy. Mm-hmm. These are our siblings. Yeah. And my daughter at the time we were coming home in florida to play in the jacuzzi like it was a great day bruh and she broke the news to us bruh through that that group text it was like y'all kobe died as we're like driving having the like i couldn't i don't remember what the topic was it was a great conversation and my kids in the back seat completely unaware of what's going on 
And we had to like put on this fake face of still keeping up with the greatness of the day because there's five rows in the back who's going to be like, what's wrong with y'all? So I literally watched Iffy just like hold her face. And like, we're like literally trying to engage with each other. You were all on this thread, like, yo, what's going on? And you're right, we're refreshing it, refreshing it. And all of a sudden, it was dead ass real mm-hmm. that Kobe was dead. But we had to like kind of get back and still kind of play Kate to the fact that, yo, my whole five year old is, is here and enjoying her time with her aunt and her dad. Mm-hmm. We, we, we can't, we can't all of a sudden just break down in tears in front of her, like at all. Like if we break down in tears, then she's in, then she's crying. What's going on? So like literally, we're holding in that same emotion that you felt yeah. when you screamed in that rag yeah. until we were able to kind of like you know mm-hmm. decompress it later on that evening. But it still felt so unreal, yeah. like entirely unreal. But you know, and in that moment that evening before I flew back here, I remember hugging my daughter so tight and like, Dad's gonna see you in another week. I'll be right down, and remembering that yo like. Kobe has kids around the same exact age, bro, mm-hmm. that don't have a dad anymore. Yeah. And I was about to hop on a plane about an hour after I found out this news. Yeah. It was just, it was just right. a terrible end to a beautiful weekend that just kind of just a nightmare that I still, we still can't wake up from. Like it's. So, so, so you touched on a point about like how you, you know, as a collective of adults, you had to put on a, a face for your child, right? To make sure that she still is, is present and doesn't feel like life's in harm or anything like that or in danger. That's, I think that, so I'm, I'm, I'm big on like, what makes, what fucks me up in these moments is, is weirdly never like the news. It's how all the peripheral pieces of their life respond to it. So when I see Shaq get on TV and talk about it, like, when I see like, um, just like when I, I was hearing stories about like Jeannie Buss when she was having problems with the Lakers, this was their employee. Mm-hmm. Her calling him to be like, "Yo, how do I figure this out, Kobe?" Like when I'm when I'm hearing those things, those are like those are the devastating pieces because it's like that's where the empathy for me kicks in on a whole other level. Because from the empath part of me, I feel that I can I can put myself in those shoes. And so what I what I really feared for in that moment of finding out that information was how how does Vanessa respond to this? His wife. Right, you have three other daughters at home. You just had another child. You have to be, you have to be real, because there's like there's no like I said, even from I'm I'm periphery, right? I'm a fan watching. I couldn't help but scream. You live with him. You you've been with him since you were 17 years old. This is your entire life. This is family, and a big chunk of it is gone right now. What does that look like, having those conversations or being real in front of your children? I'll be honest with you, oh, you're 100% real. You feel all the feels. You give all the emotions because kids ain't stupid. They know what's going on. Yeah. They know They know when you're hurt. They know. They, they understand that pain. The reason why I know I had to swallow it for my five-year-old because it's not someone she actually knew mm-hmm. that had passed away. And it's hard to really try to break down to a five-year-old. Daddy's inspirational basketball player died, sweetheart, so give me a minute. You know what I mean? So it was more so in... Vanessa's point of view, they all lost someone. So we're all gonna cry, we're all gonna cry together, and we're all gonna figure this out. Yeah. That's a that's a little different. I, I mean, mean, I think Yeah, and I guess like what I mean more is like the because the, the idea, and Anderson Cooper talked about this on CNN, right? Like how when his father passed when he was 10, his his mom was pretty much like, you know, talked about the idea that one step before the next. Okay. And that's how you have to get through every day, because the sun still rises. And so what I mean what I mean is I, I was saying, I was talking, you know, to a couple of friends, and I was like, I just hope that she gets to like I don't know, some kind of watch, but can get to like leave for like a week or two. Go on a trip somewhere and just scream, just be, um, be all the things because not not be super mom for one second, because like it's not the day because that she's going through shock too. Like she's crying certainly, but it's more like what in the hell just happened? But like day seven, day twenty four, day ninety one, those random moments. This this drink was his favorite drink, and boom, I'm broken on the floor in the kitchen crying. Um, he used to, you know, complain when I'd be in the supermarket too long, boom, now I'm broken, um, you know, or he, he loved tuning in to my whatever. And now he, you know, those moments, I mean, like just to be able to be so raw and, and real and unfiltered and in front of kids, you know, it, it you kind of always, there is some level of like, I have to protect them. Right. You know, no matter how, so I, that, that you know, that's what I'm kind of getting at, but I mean, yeah. <clears throat> and just speaking to what I know from studying grief. Um, in bereavement, like from a 
mental health aspect. You know, that's natural. All those things mm-hmm. you just detailed. Um, for like six months up to a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and even every year after that may hurt less and less. But, you know, grief and bereavement, especially during those first six months to a year, it may just pop out of nowhere. You know, it may just be a sensation of a smell or a sound or thinking you're hearing that person's voice or their warm body, like, by your bed. All these things can trigger, you know, heavy sense of emotional, like, output. And that's natural. Um, And complicated grief, they say, is anything that, like, lasts over a year just by, you know, what the studies show. And hopefully they're, hopefully she adjusts. Mm -hmm. Because that's the other part about grief is adapting to life, adapting to a new life. You know, it's not like he's there anymore, obviously. But how do you adjust and adapt to live life normally um, post what you used to share yeah. with this person that you built a life with? It's uh, it's not easy for any person to figure out no, whether man, you're a celebrity it would, it would or drive you crazy. Yeah, like the person you spent the majority of your life with is now gone. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. your companion, your confidant, the person that you slept next to every night. Yeah is now families. gone and you're for all, them, the kids, for all those families not just kobe but like yeah, yeah two like kids that just, have no parents and that, no sisters like it's crazy you know, pulling up to the driveway or and along with one of her kids as well so holidays. it's just like nah man that, that would drive anybody crazy yeah. holidays are the worst too because it's like you know brother that's when you're around everybody birthdays you know? holidays all of it yeah those special moments special occasions are particularly painful you know especially as we get older and we lose our own uh, members of our families um, because things aren't ever going to be the same mm. and that's just uh, a process of life uh, not to say it so whimsically but you know just the reality of how humanity goes yeah. Yeah. and cherishing the precious moments precious time that's what we can't get back you know, uh, keeping in alignment with an alignment with uh, everything going on, uh, I think we should give a moment of silence to not only Kobe but also the families that have been affected. And so, uh, appreciate it if y'all would join me in that. Yes, sir. Yeah. So you know, with everything being so deep, so heavy, you know, and I've already, you know, I've been missing out recognize or. Take, take point to notice that uh, I've already been kind of in this mindset of thinking um, in terms of growth and where I want to be and how my life is kind of mapping out. And, you know, moments like this with, with Kobe and with all the families affected makes you think a lot about um, what's next. What does that next chapter look like? So obviously today we were, we were coming here to speak on a very light topic, but you know, we, we couldn't not acknowledge and talk about, you know, our mental state and how we feel based on what just happened, you know. Um, and so from that vantage point, you know, the topic is part two, uh, black men dating, right? Um, and I, I think there is a proper transition here. I, I think, you know, the reason why I say that is because th- that kind of moment makes you think about life from a whole deeper lens. Like what do you and mean? What I mean by that is, um, you know, Kobe, Kobe was the quintessential person a lot of us strive to be or want to be in the future. Hardworking, a great father, and a tactician at what we do as a profession, right? He was all those things embodied. He was creative. He was lo- logical. I love that that marrying of the two. I, I, I crave that in life. And so, you know, it's made me think a lot about a lot of things. And when I think about dating, I, you know, I know I've not dated seriously for a long time in my life, my whole life. I've never really dated seriously. Um, Franz looking at me off stage, like off camera. I, I feel like, honestly, this has made me think about being more mindful with how I approach that. And hopefully, I genuinely mean this, finding the person I'm supposed to be with, hopefully through my life this year. I'm thinking 2020, maybe it will be the year. I've never said that out loud, but you know, I think you put something in the air and God be listening and pulling straight. Well, but Franz is shaking his head. What do you mean by serious though? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Um, I need a drink. And already, (laughs) fair enough. (laughs) I probably need one too, but I'm probably gonna answer it first. So, 
I think serious in terms of I, I think I, I you're to that question. I have dated people seriously before. I think I, I don't enter relationships unless I really see myself being able to marry this person. I've always felt that way, even in high school. Maybe it's weird, but for that for that reason, I have I wasn't in a bunch of serious relationships growing up. Um, I think what I mean is like starting to to think less about the now. Like I, I realize it's about the way I approach relationships, it, or you know, even deeper the way I explain who I'm dating to my friends and my family, I tend to credentialize people. So if, if I meet someone amazing, I'm telling you, what their job yo, is. what their job is, but in a nuanced way, right? Because, oh, I'm too deep for that. Right. So it becomes, oh, they're connected to the arts. They, they could legit be uh, a painter. They could, they could be uh, actress. They're they could be whatever, stuff. right? Yeah. Um, I talk about, you know, what they've achieved. I talk about all these things that, I actually personally don't care about. Like I, I'm, I'm really big on the person. But what I'll do is, I, if I can rationalize and credentialize this person to somebody important, to me it makes a little bit more sense to be with them, f- full on, right? Can I jump into? I think why yeah. you think that way? Yeah. Uh, because a lot of how we were raised in terms of how to look for someone to be with was based off of who could be the best partner for you in this place called life and it has a lot to do with how they handle finances how they're able to you know be a number two in terms of what you need to achieve your goals in life you know who can be the the strong family structure but the the reason why it's interesting because i feel that way but i would also like i push back on myself for even saying that because i explain that's why i guess i i nuance it i explain that to my my peers my family in one way but i've dated people that I probably had no business really dating seriously, you know? So from that vantage point, it wasn't even about their credentials. That was an easy way to explain who they were, but emotionally they had my heart, right? I was attached to them. I was connected to them. And so I think when I say seriously to to your question, it's like, you know, actually being more mindful even of, but but like fuck credentials, right? But more mindful of the person. Can I I be a partner with this person long-term? And starting to really analyze what does it look like for us to, I, I, I love the millennial movement of we get married and we're kicking it for two, three, four, five years, like vacationing and just working together, owning a couple cribs or whatever. The case. Like I think millennials have started to take longer to have kids once they get married. I, I appreciate that because... Longer to uh, settle with a partner too. I've facts, facts. And that's all facts, like actual facts, right? And our marriages actually last longer. That's another, like, well, can't say numbers wise, but where our divorce rate is lower for the age we are. Right, because you're getting married less. later and, and less. later, later yeah. and less, which usually means a little bit more focus on mm-hmm. why you're getting married. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so I think for me, when I think about that, um, I want to be very strategic in terms of like my own my own life. I want to be with someone who fulfills, like someone that I want to uh, allow because it's part of a partnership and step back as they grow and support them and vice versa, right? I don't want to love you for right now, the woman I see right now in front of me. I want to love you for like, I want to love the growing woman I see in front of me. And I keep tapping the table so our producer's telling us I'm crazy. But but, but that's that's what I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I guess when I say serious, it's like being more mindful actually of like longevity, somebody you can actually be a partner with to your, to your point mm-hmm. versus just like a love interest for sometimes right now. Man, I will... Uh... <laughs> it's funny that you uh, you you approach it in that manner, uh, because how you initially said that you looked at women in terms of justifying them as a partner to mm. your family, that's obviously what I did, and it didn't work in the long term, <laughs> you know. Um, and it's so crazy to think on the dynamic shift. I don't think anyone here knew what Mercedes did until y'all asked her yourself months later. Like, wait, what do you do? And it was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, babe. I mean, you can tell them. I mean, you can tell them what you do. But because everything about that relationship had everything to do with just the realness of who we were to each other in high school, who we were to each other as we were becoming adults, and who we clearly are to each other now. Mm -hmm. It was so much history that had nothing to do with what people judge people on now to determine whether or not you are valued of my time in this millennial space. And all of that is why it sticks so much now that this is what it is. But it would have never stuck like this if we had tried it in high school or if we tried it in our early 20s. You know what I mean? It was something that is clearly rooted in maturity. So I love that now you are in your late 20s, you're coming to this understanding and not making the mistakes I made 
in the early 20s. Granted, I, I pause on mistakes because I don't think anything I did was a mistake. Right. Everything I did was a learning uh, experience that allowed me to be the person that I am today to be the person I am in my relationship today. Who I wouldn't have been if I didn't have every single experience that I had. Uh, so I love being a divorcee. You know, I, I read that as a badge of honor. That you sounds, know what I mean? <laughs> Shoot. Sounds quite fancy, I'll say. Right, right. <laughs> like, it I, sounds I, French as shit. Sounds yeah. quite fancy, I'll Beignet, divorce, divorcee. Right. Sashay away. Sashay away. Acknowledgement to RuPaul. I'll say, at the very least, uh, I'll give you that it sounds fancy. <laughs> I think also when discussing dating and seriously dating, since we added that, right? Um, it's hard to discount the environment. New York City is not the typical environment. You know, everything is moving and there's barely a chance to slow down, barely enough hours in the day to get get the work done, let alone have self-care and also like really be attentive mm. to your partner. Um, and it's very, it's very challenging, mm -hmm. um, especially as this all somewhat ties into economics and capitalism too. Just of like, when you're trying to earn to build like this secure life mm -hmm. for a partner or measure up, mm -hmm. I think we're so caught up in that. We're so influenced by media and like what we need to obtain mm -hmm. to be whole for someone. Like, do you have a house yet? Do you have a car? Well, what happened to just like living in New York and most people don't have cars? Suck it um, out. <clears throat> or, you know, degrees, uh, your income. It's, at least for me, I'm just speaking for me, all these things really toll about in my mind in terms of like, I'm not where I fully would like to be for a person. And I know a lot of my energy and focus right now in terms of serious dating it's like, in a way, seriously dating like my career and what I'm trying to establish, sure. and it not doesn't necessarily lend itself to an intimate relationship at this point. Can I, I can don't I ask discourage you that? You? Sure. About your statement, like, so when you say you're not in a space where you feel you can date seriously, are you referring more of your mental state or just your overall economic state? My okay. mental state. Your mental state. Okay. The economic state. I just had a discuss. I was just on a date this Sunday, Saturday rather, and it's the first time it's happened to me in life. But um, you can get up. The young lady, you we went out to we went out to I mean, dinner. Sometimes you know. I mean, he said it never real. happened to him in life. Oh, see, no, it never. It, I mean, truly. I mean, <laughs> I was, I'm, truly. I mean, I mean oh, I'm never happened okay. to me in life. But you this is our get it up in life? first time. No, this. <laughs> Let me explain. Superhuman out here. <laughs> I know. David! <laughs> I'm up right now. <laughs> it was our first, first time getting food together, like a sit-down dinner. And Sorry. We, we were coming from the the Met Museum. It was a nice nice time. We went to get food up at Harlem Tavern, really giving the details here. And wow. by the time the waiter... Shout out to Harlem Tavern. Yeah. Mm -hmm. By the time the waiter Great gives wings. the check, she hands it to me. Uh, female waiter, mind you, and I'm dating a, a female too, just to okay, okay. let you know my heteronormative me. Uh, and I'm like, should we go Steve, Dutch on this? Smith cool, cool with that? Because we got <laughs> similar meals. I'm sorry, we got similar meals. <laughs> so the build up is so epic. I'm just this is epic. Drop. Well, we so she's like, cool. I'll we'll just go half. Then. No hesitation. About 20 minutes. Well, I'm the one that encouraged, like, let's Dutch. just go Dutch. Yeah. So Before the date or on the date? Oh. Was on the date. On the date. Before the date. Hey, we're going to go Dutch out when we go. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Psycho to, like, yeah, say, weird. let's go. We're going I've Dutch, been, right? I've been out the game for a little bit. Okay. Um, I just look really cheap if that happens. But I'm just like, this is, like, preemptively. <laughs> let's go Dutch. Yeah. <laughs> we're going Dutch, by the way, right? <laughs> no. I've been doing that. That's been my whole yeah, like life wow. practice. Yeah. Um, hey, if it works, you know. So we go out to dance later at the shrine in Harlem, and before we step in there, she's just like, 
I just want to know what your philosophy is on dating. Um, and very know, quickly, like, my man has a, a just a magical Harlem journey brewing here. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, it was really an uptown to, thing. Yeah, was, yeah, and it was, it was all a, one day. A beautiful like date. Yeah, started at the museum, then went to get food, then went to dance. So, what is your philosophy on that? Well, you are. I was fool. like, let's hear this philosophy. Please unpack. What do you mean? I, I can't really pull out what you're saying. Um, it's like you know, I've never been with guys like that haven't like offered to pay on the first date. And I was like, it's on the I knew that that was where, <laughs> we knew that that was where we're going, bro. Like, I like, like mid swing, and it's like, yo, I just never really like what was. Well, I was like, she I was like, to be honest, yeah. I don't subscribe to those tropes of like. <laughs> of, hey, I don't. On it. I don't subscribe to those tropes of like hegemonic fiscal things. No. And for her, it was like complicated. She's like, I understand because you know, Jeez. as a as a feminist, like it's oh, I don't know where I stand with that. She brought out the word feminist, not I. But I was like, no, I don't subscribe to like those fiscal responsibilities of like what a male should do and what a woman should do. Um, Push come to shove, we can articulate that and discuss it. But my mom never raised me to like really go out my way to like standard like as a standard you always pay for the mm. first date and this, like, was the, so this was the first date when you when yeah. you went to man I'm so, so to, 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 <laughs> to my understanding all right from my point point of view even as a dude right it comes across as oh he cheap even though bruh obviously you know i'm cheap for real <laughs> But in that space, in the first day, you're trying to put, well, hold up, hold up. When, when you're trying to put your best foot forward, which is usually the ambiance of a first date, and your best foot is, so you know you pay for your meal, and I'm pay for mine. That's that way. Hold up, this nigga gonna be a problem. <laughs> there's that perspective, but there's also like, look, I'm showing you, I'm showing you my cards right at the front. Yeah, all like, right. True, I don't want to play true. the smoke and mirrors game of like. Then we have to have these awkward expectations. The second date, like, oh, God, I got to pay for it. Does she think I'm going to pay for it the second well, time? That's where communication it, like, is so key. Bro. So, so I, now I'll speak to that a little bit. Well, that, because, I communicated. Yeah. Now you did. Pull out your In credit the card, moment, though, out as opposed to, like. Well, no, nah, so it, it's, t- it's tough, right? So I. It, it wasn't tough for me. Well, no, no, no. Uh, I don't you mean see that, that, bro. I don't mean that. What I mean <laughs> is, like. Ropes. No, what I mean, like, it's, it, you like, to your point, you're not going to say that in a text message planning the date. Like, I'm right. Like, and so what happens is the action happens. You make your call on it. Afterwards, you're asked about it. You explain your reasoning behind it. And so, like, I think from that that vantage point, it's like that's where the communication comes in. Like, if you then at that point, if you if she asked you that and you were like, nah, I just prefer not to talk about it. Or, nah, bitch, pay for your shit. Like, if it was that energy, that's very different than, like, no, this is my fiscal philosophy. <laughs> And it's real. I'm not laughing. I'm just the, the laughing. Mo- I'm, la- no, I'm, laugh. I'm laughing at the the like intellectual educational approach you took in breaking it down to her on the dance floor. Which which the, seemed disingenuous when you it, 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 it seemed disingenuous because it, it, then it she pulls seemed, out feminists and yeah no, well call call the spades the spades like uh, reveal your cards. That's a lot of energy. Go you down. said I struggle with that as a feminist. Sorry to cut your point off, yeah. but like okay. if I am, and you know, the point of feminism is for. All things to, to be equal for her to have Dutch, yeah, or, or for all things Correct. to be equal, literally Correct. going Dutch, right? Equal. That's literally the point of being. Feminist. It's a direct contradiction. I'm not, I'm not out here calling a spade a spade, but it is cognitive dissonance with your philosophy, morally. If you're saying I'm a feminist, but you as the man, you should be paying like. For the first date, mm-hmm. that's something well, that look, could be, and mm-hmm. also just to like set the Can record I ask you clear. A question also, did, well, did you smash I, that night or ever with this girl? Um, no, not that night. No, but we kissed and we like, you know. But you did end up getting to well, that. after think, that I discussion. When you're honest, yeah, hey. when you're honest, yeah. that shit really. She works. said I respect like, it. Yo, she said I respect salute, it. Salute. Yeah. Like, Love prior y'all. to that, we have like fornicated, yes, but all right, good. Um, oh, before good. y'all had a, good. Okay. so you did like we kind of like reconnected quiz. and tried to make it official. But how, how long after that date did you get to that point? Oh well, no, we fornicated way like back in the summertime. Then we like oh, disconnected before this date. So this was like a reset. Oh, you gotta let me know that. That, is, that, is that changes that is a, a lot yeah, of yeah, things. Well, this man. is like 
trying to take each other seriously of like this is not just this oh, is serious. you're serious dating oh okay okay, okay. Dating but you've already have history with this girl to some extent brief touch all yeah. right so that makes oh, more sense you being touch. so heavy-handed with the <laughs> with the you know I mean, it might have been brief but it was deep <laughs> my mom yeah. cannot see this <laughs> the double right. take ownership podcast all about your community um nah i nah, i appreciate the realness i appreciate you Cheers. being real and i appreciate you answering even not the non-host questions because you know i step in you guys my bad bro uh, you, <laughs> because nah, now because now we understand a whole other layer know. of this yeah, because yeah. It seemed well, like you just found her on Tinder and was like, I was going on a first date. And oh, you're like, yeah, oh, no, nah, you're paying for that shit. Yeah. Well, no. Well, well, no, I, I, yeah, I, I appreciate this. So, like, I, I, I've... That's why we're here, to be I'd real. Say, yeah, a few, a few of the women I've I've dated, and, and when I say dated, I mean in a relationship. So let me change that. I've been in relationships with, have been feminists, like hardcore. This is but, very true. But have, to, your, to the opposite of your point, been very much, um, and I'm not going to speak for all of them, but um, have been very much, they tend to lean on, you know, the idea of splitting would be, like, splitting, not necessarily crazy. Um, the idea that I'm okay to get into a club for free. I'm, I'm, I'm okay utilizing. When it um, leads to their advantage. Right. They use it. Right. But when it's not, I'm a, I'm a feminist. feminist. So if I cook, you cook. Right. There's no middle ground. If I come to your house, you come to my house. Like, I've dealt with that. And I'm not, again, for the women out there that have dated in relationships, I'm not speaking to all of y'all, but the ones that know who they are, they know who they are. Um, but they like, but it's that idea that, like, when it's convenient, I utilize it. When it's not, aren't you a man? I mean, we all do that in but, many different well, in situations. Life, and, but, but the thing is, I don't, I don't put a label on myself to then box myself in. If I'm going to label myself a feminist, and no, this no disrespect. But I'm gonna label myself that way. There are certain ideas and doctrines that I follow that allow me to move that way. Don't I don't subscribe to the next person to then follow that same thing, and then when they don't, kind of weaponize it against them, even though I don't technically actually deeply believe the same things I'm espousing to the world. Okay, but don't we also, as a society, do that sometimes with being black, for instance? Like when it comes to affirmative action or something. I mean, if we, if it's me and this white kid and we both got the same grade, affirmative action, I mean, you had a 20-year head start, bro. I mean, it should be me. Versus in situations where we want we want an even playing field, whatever. I feel like as a society, we just do that a lot, you know, where the imbalance is something that we love to play in our favor as much as it can. And when it's not, we want it to be fair and even, you know? It's, it's the idea of capitalism almost. It's well, kind of how we, we move. Yeah, so I don't blame them for it. Yeah. Like, we just kind of move around it. But that's also the idea of like I can label that as being affirmative action. Like I'm black and I want to lev- I want to nice. leverage affirmative action against you, right? <laughs> as if I'm saying I if I said I'm affirmative action, then that's how I move through life. True. I want the it always to tip my balance, right? You label the thing. If I'm a if I'm a, if I label myself a feminist, that means I that's how I move through life. It's how it's theoretically supposed to be. That's why I don't live under labels because I know I'm a human. So I know that. There, there, are, there are ideas and thoughts I have that literally counterbalance other ideas and thoughts I have, right? Like, I struggle deeply with the idea of, like, I think about, like, this, and I'm, this is going to be serious and, like, then topical at the same time. I think about the idea that Vanessa Bryant was with the same guy she was 17. So it, it could actually be that she's only slept with Kobe her entire life, Right? Wow, like that's how I feel. Like when I think about, I don't know what that looks like. Even if I say I'm not dating seriously, it's time to like. I don't, I don't, I don't put, I don't put to Francis like eyes off the off the screen. It's not a matter of putting a time capsule on it. Like it's, the it's the time. Man, he referenced him a lot today. <laughs> well, Franz, man, he be he be giving us energy off screen. He I does, appreciate he it always. Does. You know, always. Cheers up to Franz. Um, but like when I think about that, it's like my my energy around like even the idea of just being with the same person from here forward. Sexually, just starting there. Is Ooh, let so... me talk about this real quick. I, well, let me finish my Ooh, point because I'd love to no, hear your point. Finish quick. it. I'm gonna give you some. It's still that. early, right? Fair, but whatever. Right, well, right, right, right. But I'll give you some. It's um, like again, I think wow, like that's. It's just like there's so much lust in this world that even I have. Like I, I just, I, I think that you know. So that's why I, I, what I feel, is that my desire to be in something serious, meaning that I want a life partner I can grow with supersedes the lustful energy of where I'm at, right? That's how I feel. I think I'm transitioning into where that is. 
hard, yes. And I'm mm-hmm. not sitting here saying I that I'm not I'm gonna be perfect. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that I know that there's more intentionality, I think, in terms of how I move. Um so I'm still tripped out on that. I'm still tripped out on what it, I don't like like I think I'm on a monogamous straight relationship going forward. And you will whatever. And you will. But I think it's going to take me time Here's to why. like... Cause Here's why, I, brother. I, 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 I hear you so clearly on that because I've been exactly where you are. You know that. Hell, you've been my brother my whole life. Um, what what makes that change? And I'll be, t- I'll be totally honest with you. The first thing that really helps you with that, obviously, is this opportunity. If you, if you remove all the um, temptation... Right and the opportunity. No, it's facts because. But if you remove all the opportunity and your only option to get some is this person that you're with, then yeah, sure, that ends up being you know your mind is so conditioned to that. Then that's what it is because sex and lust is all mental. It's how you perceive things. You can train your mind to see things any way you need to. Yes, you can, Franz. (laughs) And I will tell you this: for the first time in my life, right. And this is so, so real. Like, for the first time in my life, I do not necessarily see myself being in a space where lust supersedes my desire for sex. Like, it's so insane, to be honest with you. Like, if it ain't with my girl, I really don't got the time for it. Like, it's re- it really doesn't get me there. Like, it doesn't get me to that space. And that's only be out of respect. It's out of... The way I know I like it, it's out of the way I know I'm gonna get it, and I'm like the only where I, the only place I'm gonna get it like that is back at home. But ge- generally, so generally I'm speaking, out. generally speaking though, and not, you don't have to dive into. Nah, hit me things. with it. What? What? I, I, do you do you I feel exposed like, you last do you, time? Do you feel? Hit me with it, bro. <laughs> did expose me. So what you got? Get him back now. Nah. What you got? But now, nah, like, do you feel like also it could be two mistakes you make on that path that then make you realize how important this person is to you? <laughs> I love my brother right now. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm nah, nah. I'm, I'm gonna spread it out. Now, out of respect for names and people involved, <laughs> okay. uh, what I will say this is that space where, just to kind of be really clear for the listeners and the viewers, um, that space has a lot to do with that playful flirting that you know will never get to where you know where you're actually having sex because. I'm in a space where I'm not going to have sex with you, but you out here, you know, we're business, we're networking, you want everyone to feel good. So you're in this space where you look single, you look like you out here, but you're really not, you know you'll never actually do something. Mm. But when that person feels bamboozled, <laughs> or like, wait, hold up, you really don't want this? And you really turn into a different person, then I'm like, no, I got a girl at home, she's pregnant. Like, this is not a thing. It really sets another tone or another level of, oh, I really can't do that no more. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I did learn, where it's yeah. like, I cannot be out here looking single, yeah. even though I am I have no intention of having sex, and I don't. But when that person feels like, wait, we were on a path, we were talking about this, we were, we were in this space, we were, everything was going good, and all of a sudden you're like, this is not a thing? I'm like, yeah, no, it's not a thing. You really got to play the part that you actually are at all times. And that's something I learned. Let me get your hand, yo. Let me give you a promise ring. Let me... You know what? <laughs> I just, nah, he said, look. My bad for tapping gotta, the table gotta, front, gotta... but you know what? I'm going to let you have that, Mr. I want to be a monogamous relationship in 2020. I don't know. I got it. I want a serious relationship. All right, you know what? And I want, I honestly want yeah. that for you because... It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Like even even in my first relationship, having someone that's outside of your immediate family that you know you can always go to and depend on and really kind of like bounce ideas off of and just really help you grow in life is amazing, bro. Fair. Nah, it's real. And you know, to be honest, I got double that now. Yeah. You know, because I just have a good relationship with her, yeah. even though that's not my girl no more. Mm-hmm. So I do want that for you because that shit is honestly I don't know what I do. It looks beautiful, bro. Outside space. looking in, it looks absolutely beautiful. I think too. I'm, I'm you joking? No, because I'm, I'm, I'm over here laughing his ass. Nah, off. he laughed. I'm dead serious. It's beautiful. It's beautiful the connection y'all have. It's beautiful seeing you grow. It's beautiful seeing her grow. Like it's dope. Bet, Super bet, dope. Bet. Yeah. I think to your point in terms of like that, the emotional like currency that you build with a person, whether it's just where it's totally not anything like sexual or um, physical. Um, 
I think that's what I'm more into right now. Um, not asexual by any means. I still have like desires, but I think at 28 years of age right now, I just know the impact that sex plays in right. terms of dating. And it really, unless you're serious about that person to like take it to a seriously dating, I'm almost more avoidant to like engage in like sex now. Um, because I have so much more to gain from emotional investment, I feel, mm-hmm. than just the f- that physical euphoria. I mean, I always will crave it and desire it, but I think I'm getting to a point now where I'm looking past that to like something that is ongoing, like here, stimulating. Um, so I think that when I turned 28, like I. I had already gave up drinking like earlier in 20, at the end of 27, mm-hmm. into 28. I think that was part of like my clarity, like not just drinking, but any type of substances like weed. And I let all of it like just fall back. Um, and in that, we've had discussions on this of just where you come to this realization of what is it that I really want in life and what do I value? Right. And sex right now is not the thing that I value most. And I think it goes back to this most recent date where we tried to rekindle something more seriously, not just sex. Mm -hmm. Um, And it ultimately didn't work out, you know, and that's okay. Like it worked out for that moment, but you know, we further unpacked it and just decided on platonic, uh, platonic, like cutting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Of, of ties. You know Uh, what you're saying that you're looking for right now? If you sticking to that is what makes sex that much better because it's so mental. Yeah, so if you have that strong emotional connection with that person, completely outside of everything physical, I mean everything physical, and that relationship with that person is just something that you crave. Yeah, and y'all have sex. It's just mind blowing. Doing this, the most basic mundane well, missionary shit. Well, it's, it's not something you can force. Yeah. you have to just at really all, mentally. At all. I just say again, again. Sorry. I think we're speaking from a standpoint of. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. I could be wrong. But more infatuation and timing. Like, I, I, what I wonder about is two years in. What I wonder about is five years in. 20 years. What does that look like? And the reason why I mentioned Vanessa to top of my, my, talk, my, my talk here, my diatribe, was that, you know, I think a lot of times, when, and I've referenced millennials and how we tend to marry now, I feel like if you get to know your partner for three, four, five years before you ever have a single child, what ends up happening is... The child is then like that 18 to 27 year gap that you're raising children, right? Like post it, there was a there was that 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 glimmer of the five year that I remember of how I know her, or how I or how she knows whatever, like whatever your things, right? And so from that vantage point, there's something to rekindle there that you can restart when you when you jump right in. My worry is that 18, 27 years later, whatever, how many how many kids you have. It's like I don't, I don't know this person anymore. I know my partner. I know my partner in life in terms of tackling issue after issue after issue, kids, finances, whatever, right? But like, what does it look like now at forty-eight? What does it look like now at fifty-six to like start over now that they're not here, right? And I think about even with my parents, like, they're the kids are gone, the kids are not there, right? So now you go to work, you come home, and it's it's y'all. So what does that look like? And if you, you know, if you were, you know, studious and focused and you built this amazing home, you have three, two, four, five bedrooms, whatever, for the kids, now you come home to that same crib and it's just y'all. And I can talk about it from a statistical standpoint, because I'm in I'm in the housing market. I know that behind millennials, the the next group that rents more are like baby boomers because the house is empty. Be that house, yeah. move back into the city, have a have a youthful, energetic well, so life. Passing right. the house down is dead. Like, or, or or they or they still have it, but they move down into the city because they want more energy. They want to dine out. They want to you know, and maybe that's one of the answers to it, right? What we're yeah. seeing happen statistically, but you know, it's like I, I think the different stages of life serve different purposes, and that house in the suburbs, it's not euphemistic for the rest of your life. I think might maybe it actually means. This is the stage of life it's we're in, raise and you 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 raise children. And then you know, and then yeah, and so I know we're we're getting the nod now to kind of wrap things up. So I wanna I wanna do 
kind of bring things to the head. But you know, I, I, maybe I'll leave it with this on on this this point um, or question. Um, how how are you looking at as you step? And it's gonna be it's gonna be nuanced questions for both of you guys. So for you, as you step into a, la- a layer more serious, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. Um, with the woman in your life, mm-hmm. child on the way, mm-hmm. right. How are how do you keep the energy the same between you two now and post the child being here? Communication, communication, communication. Okay. Like, you got to over-communicate, and that's what we do. Even when you don't feel like it, you have to be really clear about your intentions, what you want, what you don't want. You, nev- you can't ever at any point judge your partner for anything. Like, mm-hmm. how they feel, what they want. Like, who said, Will Smith is really idealistic. That was just like, yo, that's so real. Where he said, yo, there's nothing Jada Smith can do that could ever make me want to break up with her. Mm-hmm. And, like, you really think about that. And then I pose it to my relationship with the person that I've known for a very long time. But this is the first time we actually get it to this point. And it moves quick because it comes with a lot of familiarity there. Right? But this something that we've always been doing is communicating yeah. from we were thir- like what, 13, 14 years old. To now, so that things are very clear what we want and what we want to do. So everything is so synced. But there have been times where we kind of lose track a little bit over there. You know that. Mm-hmm. But we always come back together. Yeah. Like, in terms of just how we are. And that's when I know that this is it. To me, that's, that's being committed to the idea of growth, right? We're committed to yeah. growth and committed to each other. Yeah, exactly. And you're committed to each other. And you always know, like how you were saying, how you can pull back from that previous history of who that person was. Mm-hmm. And that's why you're with them. Bruh, the reason why it even started again or even became a thing now is because of that memory of who we were as kids together and that memory of who we were as preteens or, or I'm sorry or early young, young adults I guess yeah. but like early 20s and then that understanding of who we are now we know yo this is all we want mm-hmm. is each other even though we may you know have discussions and shit like that kind of what we want or don't want and things that we disagree on yeah. but we always end with the kiss goodnight and I love you. Yeah, that yeah. does not change. Mm-hmm. So add a kid to that layer. It's just something else on growth and us being, you know, the couple that, God willing, could be together 10, 20, 30, mm-hmm. 40, 50 years. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm going to, and I'll start my question to you with a little bit of pretext. Hopefully you're cool with it. But just like the, yeah, right? Love, yeah. But no, nah, just like, and, you know, yeah. Just from the standpoint of like, you know, we talked a lot offline just as homies about like the idea of when you, uh, the vulnerability, right? Yeah, look at the camera because it's game. But vulnerability, right? You've you've told me before off off camera, off camera that like you know uh, with vulnerability you struggle with necessarily giving all of that up, right? Because you're you're fearing your exact words to me just uh, talking was like you don't want it to be weaponized against you, right? And I think that and to be real, you told me that exact. So what was really crazy was I had this conversation with you, and like three days or four days before that, I had the same conversation with you. So my question to you is, you know, how do you get over that barrier, that mental block that's created, that's real, to allow someone in that you could potentially love or build a life with, what have you? Especially, especially if you're considering you're focusing more on the mental now than the sexual part of it. How does that? How does that work for you? I feel like Chris right now with the like the yeah. Trying to get my Everybody's eyebrows. getting shout outs. Tiffany, shout out to you, CNN. You know? Crispy. But nah, more importantly, an artist on her own. Right? You know <laughs> so as far as getting over the hurdle of vulnerability, I think, again, Andre mentioned the word judgment. And I think when you're free of judgment for yourself, that allows yourself some freedom um, in terms of being okay not having it all together or not having it all figured out and maybe putting yourself out there more. And I still struggle with it. I still am challenged by it. Um, but as long as I'm willing to acknowledge that and not like let vulnerability have the power over me, and this is where I'm at right now. Like Mentally, when I go out and I'm thinking about dancing with someone or someone that I think is cute and I'm like a little shy or anxious around because that's not usually my best medium. I'm just like, what would you do if you weren't afraid? Would you approach her? Like, just do it, you know? Don't judge yourself too hard, man. Like, we're... Mama mentality, baby. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my approach to vulnerability is just like, man, don't don't judge yourself so harshly. Be a fair grader. Life is hard 
as it is with as many graders. You should be a fair grader to yourself. But be aware of cultural differences. I was in South Africa on a dance floor and I approached a woman. She's like, what the f they don't they don't really do that close grinding unless for sure yeah. you know them personally so just in be india, mindful just be i was mindful. in india be yourself you see how he tried to do that like so now you want to have him thinking about himself now he just nah, right started this restart nah, this cycle I'm, 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 now he's going to relapse all he that just, growth nah, gone nah. did the humble good, good brag job. of south africa so i had to pull out india oh i wasn't trying to do that i actually wasn't trying to do that but i guess yeah oh, cultural that way yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um but now nah, uh so yeah i think uh I'm gonna wrap it up. Uh, I'm, I'm glad we got to speak on this topic. So what are you thinking of? My, no, no, because because from my vantage point, it's like now you know, and I, I want to speak just a little bit. My proclamation is that not that I'm trying to or I'm going to find the person I'm supposed to be with the rest of my life this year. It's not my proclamation. My proclamation is simply, I want to be I want to be intentional about how I move, and so in that being the case, I'm, I'm I've already been very judicious in who I spend time with. Like I I. I care about people I fuck with. That's it. People in this room, like people I fuck with. And so going forward, it's like, I don't want to, yeah, cheers to that. Cheers to that. But, but, you know, to that point, I'm going to end right there. Hang with people you fuck with. I think if there's anything Kobe has taught us, it's, you know, give time to people who deserve it and who are in your sphere that you need to keep, uh, keep pushing forward and keep supporting. So all love to you all. I appreciate y'all having a real conversation with me about all these things. Um, for David, for Andre, my name is O. Again, WYL Take Ownership Podcast, where we take ownership of our mental, our economics, and our community. Take care. Peace. Peace.